The Holy Gospel according to John, the 18th chapter. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. As we begin, uh, let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you this morning looking to you as our King. And we pray this morning as we hear your word that you would give us open hearts, open minds, and teachable spirits. And we pray today that you would have your way with us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're glad that you are here this morning. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I ate way too much. Anybody else feel that way? And after the tryptophan from the turkey started settling in, gave way to a satisfied, sleepy feeling, I decided, because I was able to just sit down, to watch a movie. And I chose one of my favorites, The King's Speech, also in preparation for this morning. But if you've not seen the movie, it's about an unlikely king, King George VI, and his struggle to overcome a speech impediment, which manifests itself in his difficulty with stuttering while speaking, or as he said, stammering. It was just the dawn of the age of radio when every speech was broadcast to a wide audience across the world. So stuttering through his speeches was often a painful and frightening experience for him and for his audience. Before he was king, he was Prince Albert, the Duke of York, and second in line for the throne after his brother. He never desired to be king or thought he would be, since his brother would assume the role after his father died. But this was short-lived, as his brother, King Edward VIII, chose to marry a twice-divorced woman, and as the head of the Church of England, he could not marry someone who was divorced and remain king. So in an unprecedented move, he decided to abdicate the throne, 
leaving his younger brother with a speech impediment to succeed him as king. This brings Prince Albert to a crisis in his life as he realizes that now he must be the one to give speeches, speeches that will move his people, who will encourage them and give them hope and not allow his stuttering to be an impediment or worse, an embarrassment. So with the help of his wife, he finds just the right speech coach to help him through this transition. And Lionel Logue helps not only to heal his stuttering, but the deep wounds from his childhood, which caused his stuttering. It's a story of redemption and hope, and the friendship of two unlikely people, a would-be king and a commoner. The movie ends with the famous speech that the prince, now king, gives to the people of England at the beginning of World War II to rally them to stand up against Hitler and the Nazis' threat to all of Europe. This is the king's speech, which he delivers beautifully with the help of his speech therapist in the room with him, conducting him as he speaks. Well, today is Reign of Christ Sunday, where we focus on Christ as our king. But what kind of king? The gospel assigned for this Sunday is a conversation between two people, Pontius Pilate, who represents the Roman Empire, and Jesus, the king of the Jews. Pilate is a reluctant leader at this moment, and he encounters Jesus after he has been arrested and beaten by the temple guards, who then drag him over to the Romans to be put to death for claiming to be God, because only the Roman Empire has the power to put someone to death. Pilate doesn't understand why they are so upset with this man who seems to be nothing more than a street corner preacher. He doesn't recognize Jesus' reign or his kingdom. And he asks Jesus, why is he here? Is he the king of the Jews? And Jesus' answer is not what Pilate expects. Jesus is probably not what Pilate expects. He has probably seen his share of would-be messiahs, and he's maybe crucified a few. But this man, this man is different. He neither begs for his life, nor does he curse his enemies. Rather, he is calm, he is resigned, he's resolute. He answers like a true king, one with authority. And he talks of a realm not of this world, his army not from here. He doesn't seem to fear what is about to take place. He seems rather in control. This must have unsettled Pilate. And so he tries to release Jesus, seeing him as no threat, at least not alive, perhaps more of a threat, dead. Pilate's instinct is a good one. What does it mean 
if this man has an army not of this world. Pilate questions him further. So you are a king then? This is where the conversation takes a turn. And Jesus gives his king's speech. You have said so, and you are right. I was born for that purpose, and I came to bring truth to the world. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Pilate then wonders, what is truth? What is truth? The truth is not a concept, but a person. Jesus, who not only spoke the truth, but who is the truth. The contrast between these two leaders is great. It's ironic that here is Pilate, who seemingly has all of the power and authority of the Roman Empire with the power to give life and the power to contemn to death in his hands, who is questioning Jesus, the humble king, who comes not wielding a sword but the truth, and who said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Pilate, representing the kingdom of might makes right and ruling with an iron fist, contrasted to Jesus, whose kingdom is not of this world, the prince of peace, whose realm includes all and excludes no one, not even the least of these, who rules with love and an outstretched palm. The balance of power looks to tip in favor of the empire. Jesus is on trial. Pilate flogs Jesus and tries releasing him, saying to the crowds, Look, here is your king. But it's clear in the cries of the people that they are choosing the empire. We have no king but Caesar. And Pilate washes his hands of what they are about to do to crucify their king. But it is there. As Jesus hangs on the cross with a sign above his head that reads, the king of the Jews, it is clear that he is no earthly king. And then the balance of power tips when Jesus gives his final speech, his last words. It is finished. And it is in John's gospel that this is meant not as a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory that begins to usher in Jesus' kingdom. Jesus is not a king that this world would ever recognize. This is a king who speaks to the lowly and the rejected. This is a king who serves rather than being served. This is a king who enters the holy city not triumphantly on a horse, but seated on a donkey. Jesus is a different kind of king, one whose crown is made of thorns and who is lifted up on a cross instead of a throne. So, 
Why a focus on Christ the King today? Why on this Sunday, in between the season of Pentecost, when we've been following Jesus' teaching and Advent, when we prepare for Jesus' second coming and celebrate his birth? Well, there is a backstory to this. It was Pope Pius XI who, in 1925, instituted the Feast of Christ the King. And the reason was that the Pope felt that as the followers of Christ were being lured away by the increasing secularism and nationalism of the world. That same year, Mussolini dissolved the Italian parliament and became a dictator in Italy. Christians, the Pope felt, were choosing to live in the kingdom of the world rather than in the reign of God. So as we prepare to begin a new church year with the first Sunday of Advent, the coming of Jesus, not only in Bethlehem, but the second coming as well, we pause and reflect upon who Jesus the Christ is in our lives. As followers of Christ who receive his grace and receive him as our Savior, we get to pause today and ask ourselves, what does it mean to follow him also as our king? Jesus, not just as savior, but as Lord. How does it change our lives, our way of being and acting in the world? I have to admit that at times, I'm prone to be more a citizen of this kingdom than the one that Jesus rules, often more than I like. I don't think I need a king. I'm doing just fine, thank you, in my own little kingdom as ruler of my life. And I can hear the echo of the crowds. We have no king but Caesar. No thanks, Jesus. And often, it's not until a crisis hits or a moment in life or in history when you do need someone to lead, you do need someone to guide, to protect, to give you strength or comfort, that we seek one out. And I realize that I do need the kind of king that Jesus is kind who loves, who serves, who shows me the way, who shows me the truth, who speaks truth into my life, who shines light into darkness, and gives me hope. So today we're invited to follow this king, and we're reminded that his reign is beyond this world, even when it's hard to see or imagine. And we are his hands and feet to help bring in that kingdom when we serve, when we show love, when we are Christ to one another, when we shine his light, reflect his light, when we welcome, when we are peacemakers. We help to usher in the reign of Christ. 
A pastor friend of mine will often post stories on her Facebook page that start with the catch line, the kingdom of God is like. And then she'll go on to tell a story of how God's kingdom is seen in everyday life. So I want to share one such story just from this past weekend. The kingdom of God is like the apple cup. When these arch rivals met, the Washington State University Cougars marching band played the University of Washington Huskies band fight song. And why did they do that? Because on the way to the game, the University of Washington band was in a terrible accident. Their bus tipped over, and several band members were injured. They're all okay, but, but several were injured. They weren't able to make it to the game. So upon hearing of their plight, the Cougars decided to learn and play their arch rivals fight song during the half halftime show. And in an era of such divisiveness, when we seem to be on separate teams, and we are arch rivals so many times, this was an act of goodwill and sportsmanship that went beyond their tribe, their team, on behalf of a larger team, on behalf of the band they reached out, no matter what team they were on, they were part of a greater common good. Well, this week and during the season of Advent, I want to encourage you to look for signs, signs of this kingdom breaking into our world in ordinary, everyday acts of kindness forgiveness and love, to be those stories and to share those stories. To go back to the movie that I began with, the king's speech, the king discovered that he did need his speech coach. He did need him. He did need his help. He needed that direction, that comfort, that person to be alongside of him. And helped, he helped him to overcome his fear and to find his voice. And so we are reminded today that as those who follow Christ the King, that we also have someone there to be with us, to guide us, to direct us, and to share, to, to help us to find our voice, a voice to speak, speak up when there is injustice, a voice to say there is another way, a voice to speak truth to falsehood. Perhaps we do need that kind of king, not of this world, to remind us that there is another way to live in this world, to live with love, rather than hate, with hope, rather than fear, with faith, rather than cynicism. A true king, who not only shows us the way, but is the way, who not only speaks the truth, but embodies the truth, and who dies so that we may live. 
May thy kingdom come. Amen.